the joy of gentleness, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. If you want to turn there, if you have a copy of the scriptures, it's kind of the theme. Well, it's not kind of. It is the theme of the day, gentleness, but it's not till verse 5 that he begins to really speak about that. So I want to walk expositionally through these first uh, five verses, and we'll just look at that. But the, the, the takeaway today is the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the gentle shepherd that leads us. Let's look there together. There in the fourth chapter, we just find these words. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with, listen to these names, Euodia, and I plead with Seneca to agree with each other in the Lord. How many of you can pronounce those words? I had to work on them this week, okay? Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, just five little verses today. And we're going to break it down, and we're going to look at these people. So you can look on your notes. Uh, our, when I was looking back over, I went, oh, no, we misspelled in the worship guide somehow, the type in order, Seneca. But you probably didn't know that because you don't know anybody named Seneca, so you could just like, you know, you could have written whatever you wanted to. You could have just called them S. That would have been fine with me. We've been talking about joy. This is the book known as the Epistle of Joy. And joy is that dimension in life of that inner work of Christ in We've, we've learned that joy is not shackled by circumstances. It definitely, uh, come, the circumstances of this life come against us, and, and they tend to rob us of joy, but they don't have to control us. The Hebrew word, when you look at the word of joy, it's real interesting. It means to leap or spin around with pleasure. Don't you like, I love that. I, I see my granddaughter just twirling. I can't believe I just did that. It's so much cuter when she does it, and her dress twirls. But that's what it means. It means to leap, to spin. You, you see somebody walking through a field, a young woman, and she's spinning. And I know you guys are going, eh, that's a little girly for me. It's not working. But it means ecstatic joy. It means a great place. It means happiness. In, in a sense that we don't, under, when we say happy, we, we mean something based on our circumstances. It means gladness, blissfulness. Here it is. Write down joy. Joy means celebration. The joy of the Lord is my strength, said Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8.10. I've always loved that verse. And he was a guy instructed to build the wall, the walls of Jerusalem. He was the ones that had been torn down. He had been commissioned by God to do that, and he still had joy in his life, and he had all kind of opposition, a, a great study. We did that years ago here. But if we want to see the fruit of joy ripen in our hearts, I think we have to be rightly connected with Christ. And that's just not that we were saved or we've been redeemed, we've been adopted, we've been grafted into the family of God, and that's where it starts. That's the first part of sanctification. But it means that we're continually abiding in, we're clinging to, we're getting to know Christ better than we did yesterday or last month or last year. Our collective worship here of God on Sundays is just one of the ways that enhances our joy factor. We, we make room in our life, though, through, through worship. When, when you and I come in here and worship, I think one of the things we do, we go, God, I've had a busy life or a busy week, 
but I want to make room in my heart with pleasure to worship you, to honor you, to exalt you, to elevate your worth in my life. The, the worship teams prepare weekly to bring us into the presence of Christ, into the holiness, into the fear of the Lord. They celebrate who he is before, during, and after they're set. I'm grateful for worship. I, I'm glad I get to follow them. I, what happens for me, and I hope it happens for you, I begin to just kind of shake the stuff off of this world. Have any of you had anything this week you need to shake off? Just raise your hand. Probably all of you. And if you didn't, like, you need to shake it off. Let me go ahead and tell you. This world, it, it hopes, it purposes to squeeze you to its mold. This world will put some stuff on you that you don't want. And you need to shake it off. I don't want to be political, but I have to say one thing. The stand that Target took this week nauseates me, church. Our God is a God of order, of one man for one woman. And the church said, and this transgender stuff needs to go. The church of the living Christ needs to go. Christ is exalted. I am not a hater. I love all men and women. I love all people. But I'm going to call sin, sin from this stage. Can I just go ahead and have a witness in the house? I have, a, I have two daughters. I have one wife. That's good. I have a granddaughter. And I have you as the family of God as shepherd. We will walk in righteousness. Church, we're under attack. Do you think, church, we're under attack? Oh, man, you're like, pastor, I mean, you know. And then this passage today, look at it at the top of your thing. Now I'll go back to the text. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Does that mean we're passive? No. That means we're gentle. We're kind. We're compassionate. We're gracious. And we'll talk about that as we get there. But I want to move through. I want you to see this quote that's going to come up. I, thought, I found it this week. I liked it. There it is. Christianity is not for the weak. Being a Christian does not mean being soft-spoken, weak, or easily intimidated. It is strength under the control of a master. Leave that on the screen for a minute. I want some of you to write that down. It is strength. It is spiritual strength under the control of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be gentle. That's what it means to be strong. And I have a master, and you have a master, and I hope it's Jesus. And when it is, he leads us in the path of his Father. And in his gentleness there, in his health, and his peace, in his life. Paul, prison, as we've talked about over these weeks in, in Philippians, 19 different times he refers to joy and rejoicing. And he's the guy that's incarcerated for crying out loud. He's chained to guards that change about every six hours, the Praetorian guard that set him up. And he says, you people at Philippi have forgotten your love, your first joy. You've forgotten Christ. And I want you to have joy in your faith because there's all kind of stuff going against them. And I just think that our behavior should be determined by our beliefs. So my behavior is determined about my belief in Christ. And my belief in Christ means that Christ wants to change this sinner as he does you. And he wants to give me a love for all people. And he wants to give me compassion. And he wants to give me grace. And he wants me not to hold grudges. And he doesn't want me to be full of envy and bitterness. And oh, and I can name all the sins. And oh, we would be here. And you'd go, oh, I participated. Me, me, check, check. Let's look here on my outline. Number one, stand firm. Don't be defeated. The scriptures nail this theme. Stand firm. Steadfast. 
Stand with your face to it. Be focused upon Christ. And don't be defeated. And right now, there are reasons for some of you that you've been defeated. And today, my prayer is that in faith, you will rise up and not be defeated by the circumstance that seems to be coming against you and having its way. I'm going to give you a lot of verses. Some are marked at the reference. Some will come on the screen. Some just, I'm just going to read, but I want to build a case for this. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The Apostle Paul says these simple words. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Circle it if you've, got, if you've turned there in your Bible. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Man, stand firm. Let nothing else move me. But Christ is my strength. Christ is the one that makes me immovable. And I will stand as long as I draw breath. I will praise his holy name. Amen, church. Yeah, you can amen with me. I'm missing Sherwood really bad right now. Sherwood is my, is my African-American pastor that could preach like nobody. I'm still a little bit ticked at him because he died before he got to come here. God took him home. And man, could, man, I'm going to California, and uh, that's where I first met him. And we went to Africa together, and that guy could preach, man. I just go, man, just come on. He go, okay, and I like to call me, okay, little brother. See, he was 465 pounds, and I'm not, so he called me little brother. He called me anything he wants. I love Sherwood. He'd walk in the anointing of God. Actually, he was Bishop Sherwood Cawthon. And I love that, and he'd go, you stand firm. You stand firm, little brother. And I will. Galatians 5.1 is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. See, it is there it again. Stand firm. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to foolishness. Let's look at uh, Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, who is one of you and your servant of Christ, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Stand firm. And you're saying, well, that's just three scriptures. Okay, I'm glad you said that. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It's not in your notes. Write it down. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. That sounds like Joshua, doesn't it? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or by mouth or by letter stand firm man they're building this case here I'm, I'm loving this matter of fact there's a picture that's going to come up stand firm brother have you ever been there i have i went there in the 90s i did a couple of visits there i did a couple of mission trips preaching the gospel around the world and and, and I remember we had this one time we were up in uh, Liverpool. That's where the Beatles come from. And, and, and when we came back down to London where we had started, you know, sightseeing, I wanted to go over to Buckingham Palace. I mean, when does a little boy, a little boy, I don't know if I'm little, when, when does a, a brother from Alabama get to go to London? Now, not every day, okay? So I go to London, and I go up to this guy, and I'm just standing there, and I'm watching. Not this particular one. I Googled this one. But um, we didn't have digital cameras when I went, okay? And uh, and I remember standing there watching them. I'm intrigued by them. You, you can got, not get them to smile. They won't do anything. They're standing firm. And I'm sitting there looking at that attire. I'm thinking, that hat's got to go. I mean, I mean, have you thought about that? Probably not. And then I'm just looking like, wow, got some big shoes too. Look at them boots. Okay. But he's standing firm to guard the palace. 
And why did I give you that image? Because I just wanted to get in your head today thinking about you are a follower of Jesus. Stand firm. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to be slack, baby. Come on. No, no, you don't get your lunch eat. Stand firm. That's what he's telling the people here at Philippi. Be strong in your faith. Stand fast. It's an idea. And then look here in verse 2. Then he goes into these, uh, these people here, Euodia and Seneca. Now, it's interesting. I did a lot of study on this, and I want you to write this down. Euodia means success, good journey, sweet smell. I'm just telling you what I've studied. I'm thinking, sweet smell. Nobody ever said that about me. Okay, that's who Euodia is. Seneca means lucky, fortunate, friendly one. But there are two women that are cited here in Scripture for us to read about. Now, what's amazing is I want you to fill in this point. Yodia and Seneca are in serious disagreement. Don't be divisive. Here's what's interesting. The Scripture never delineates what the women are in disagreement about. But... These women are mentioned in Scripture. How would you like to be in Scripture? And, what you're, and they're never mentioned again. That's what's interesting. And all you're known is Susie and Beth were in sharp disagreement. <laughs> Not what I'm excited about. But when I read and study about them, they were great women of the faith. They were like mothers of the church, founding moms. They had great faith. They'd have been of great assistance to Paul carrying the gospel. But they got into this disagreement. Now their names are read out loud today and anybody that reads the book. And regardless of whatever the reason is, they're in sharp disagreement. There's something God wants. Harmonious agreement, not disagreement. He wants them to get it right. He wants them to work through their pain. And it's kind of interesting. These prominent women have a problem. Now, is it a doctrinal issue? Possibly. Is it a personality clash? Possibly. Do we know? No. But we know they're in disagreement. Here's what I'll say to us. When we are in Christ, we have an arch enemy, and he sends flaming arrows over to attack us, and somehow some got through, and these women were at odds, and they were causing disagreement, disunity in the body of Christ at the church of Philippi. Now, you know where I'm going with that, don't you? In this church, in churches across the world, there's disagreements. So we find this scripture, and I think God says, that doesn't please my son. Christ died for those disagreements. I want you to make it right. I want you to, to, to work through your personality, through your clashes. I mean, this morning, if you were honest, you'd go, yeah, I got a personality clash with X. Yeah, you probably do. They're probably not your favorite person. You're probably not going to invite them to your birthday party. They probably don't want to come anyway. But don't cause disruption in the body of Christ because you're in disagreement. I, 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 many times it's like, what was the thorn in the flesh? We don't know. What was the disagreement? We don't know. I think the Holy Spirit does that on purpose. Do I have a witness? Because if we did, we'd be like, oh, I don't do that. And we'd focus on that one thing. Guys are like, no, there was disagreement. There was separation. It wasn't healthy. Let's move on. Number three. Help them plead in the Lord. Don't be discouraged. He doesn't, he doesn't go plead in your own flesh, plead in your own circumstance. He says, plead in the Lord. Your genuine believers come into one mind. Don't hold on to grudges. Let it go. You know what? That's the only words, two words that somebody needs to hear today. Actually, that's three words. Let it go. Thank you. Let it go. 
Are you letting it go? Is there something that's holding you back? There's a grudge that you're holding against someone in the room, in your family, uh, in your relationships, at work, in the past? Christ has said, let it go. This disagreement is not going to bring honor. There's, diver- there's diversity in the body of Christ, and it's beautiful. Christ created us that way. But there shouldn't be division. There should be diversity, but there shouldn't be division. There is disunity, but there should be unity. Christ, help us find this. We don't want to destroy our testimony for you. So I wrote down this thought. Agree more, argue less. Listen more, talk less. I'm going to say it again. Agree more and argue less. Listen more and talk less. Does anybody besides your pastor get in trouble because he talks too much? You thought that was funny, did you? How many, come on, come on, help, help the brother. How many of you get in trouble because you talk too much? Just raise your hand. Wait a minute, hold them up. Bless you and bless you and bless you. More hands are going up. Bless you and bless you. God help you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless. Yeah, a lot of you. Yeah. You got good conduct grades in school too, didn't you? Wouldn't that be cool if we gave spiritual conduct grades around here? And I would be the dean. <laughs> I always wanted to be a dean. I just wasn't smart enough. Okay, here we go. All right. So help them plead in the Lord. Look at verse 4, though. This is this repetitive thing that he says over and over. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, and he's just hammering it down. You're like, okay, I get it. Rejoice. I don't think you got it. He says rejoice in the Lord. It's an illustration to be abundant for the readers of Paul and for Christians today that read the Word of God. I want you to have a theme of joy in your heart, in your life. I want you to rejoice in the person of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Delight yourself. Gladden yourself in Christ. Gladden yourself in the work of the Lord. Oh, so why are you so downcast? Cast that off. Division, disunity, it robs joy. So this morning, if you're in disunity with someone, if if there's a divisive spirit in your life, I think Christ would say, get rid of that. I want the joy of the Lord to reign in your heart. I want it to be the testimony of the church. You know, it'd be cool if people just rode by and go, oh, that's a church. Man, immeasurable joy, ecstatic joy. They're kind of joyful people out there. Not like, well, I don't know. They're kind of, they're kind of mean. They're kind of, you know, whatever, ill-spirited. How many want to be a mean Christian? Anybody want to sign up for that? I don't like mean Christians. I love them because Jesus said I have to, but I don't like them. So right now, I want you to write down all the mean Christians on your sheet. Would you, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Because you might be sitting next to you like, I didn't know I was mean. Well, you are, okay? So here he is. So, so people are getting a foothold here. In this deep, this deep joy that Paul continues to talk about chapter after chapter, it transcends everything in this life. It's greater than. It, it, uh, the Christian life should be a fountain of joy. I like fountains. You know, there, there's a fountain down here at this church, St. James, and they have a fountain, and we have a fountain in our neighborhood, and there's a fountain in the neighborhood down there, and fountains. I'm, I'm intrigued with fountains. Matter of fact, you don't know this. If we just had a plethora of money, if we just had an abundant resource, and we had all our missionaries supported, and everything paid, and there was no problem, you know what I want to do? It's probably frivolous. I've always wanted to have a huge pond out front with a big water fountain with a light on it. I'm just intrigued. I would just go out there and sit, and some of you are like, Okay, I'll purchase that. Well, you go ahead. But the whole thing, a fountain. I just like fountains. I ride by them in the water. Like, uh, there's this neighborhood right up the road. I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you've got somebody who lives there. I don't know. It's called the Waters. Have you ever ridden in there? It's like being on staycation. I literally, uh, uh, last summer, I rode there about 20 times. 
I just went out there for therapy. And I would ride out there, and my blood pressure would drop 20 points. Water. Water has that effect, doesn't it? And fountains have that effect. You just look, and you're just like, it's just beautiful. I'm thinking right now, how about our life? Is there a fountain of joy spewing from you? The, the, the waters of living water, the eternal life of Christ just flows through you and it touches others? Well, that'd be the gentle work of the Savior. And Christ says, I want that for my church. So, I don't know, I'm just thinking about here. I, I, I read this other verse thing over in Habakkuk. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and all the fields shall fi- yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Basically, there's nothing happening here, it's kind of desolate, it's not a good situation, but he says, I will joy in my God. You get a report, you're sick, will you joy in Christ through the sickness. You lose something valuable to you. We enjoy. Last Sunday afternoon, something tragic happened to my friend in his church, Burt Jones, that was with me when Christ called us out to start Christ Community. Uh, good friend, he's preached here. We supported him through Go International for years. He pastors Woodburn uh, Missionary Church in Indiana. I preached there this fall. Three weeks ago, their associate pastor died of cancer. I'd met him when I was there speaking and got to know him. He had a wonderful spirit, got diagnosed with cancer, and the Lord called him home. Well, this past Sunday afternoon after church, there was a mom and her two daughters, and they were out riding their bicycle in Indiana. Now, you got to remember, Indiana's flat, and it's Amish country, and they're used to horse and buggies everywhere. I've been there, okay? It's different, but it's the way it is. And they had this church of about a thousand people, and these people were coming anyway. This, this, this lady and her daughters, they were out riding. It was a beautiful day. And it's Indiana, so, you know, it didn't get as warm there as quick as it does here. So they were just taking advantage of a gorgeous day, and they were out riding. The mom was struck by a car and killed right there in front of her daughters, and they witnessed it. The Brower family, if you want to write it down. I've been praying for them all week. I've been praying for my friend and their staff as they minister to the church. The church is walking around like, man disillusionment. Our, our associate pastor died. Now one of our dear precious families in the church that's been disrupted. Here's all I'm trying to say. Circumstances come and go, but our God should be praised no matter what happens. He is good. How many believe that this morning? I do. If you don't hold on to that premise, you're in trouble because I'm going to tell you tough things are going to happen to good people. Just the way God's created it. But I gave y'all some homework today for you to do this week. Reasons to rejoice. I just wrote six blanks. I want you to write down six reasons to rejoice this week and begin to make this a part of your morning meditation and prayer time. I wrote down some that are possible. See if this speaks to anybody today. My sins are forgiven. I have some really good friends that care about me. I have a church that I love. I have a wife that loves me. I have the blessed Holy Spirit that helps and guides me. I have hope that I found in Christ. I have others that are praying for me. I have eternal life with God. You're saying, well, I'll just write those down. Those are good. No, I want you to write down yours. Yeah, not, not right now, just this week, homework. You're saying, God, I want to rejoice in you, the God of my salvation. What have you given me? All right, look at the fifth one. Here it is. Ask for a gentle spirit. Now, some of you, you came that way, you demonstrate forbearance is one of the words in one of the translations of gentle spirit. It's, a, it's an inward grace of the soul. I like that definition of gentle spirit, the inward grace of, of the soul. It's the inward work of Christ. 
and to, that somehow somebody that is in serious disagreement with me, it would be unthinkable to be in harmonious relationship. But through the Spirit of Christ, I cannot be insensitive, but I can be loving through the presence and the love of my Savior. In a culture that is filled with rough and rugged individualism, I can find biblical gentleness, which means strength under control. Write that down. Biblical gentleness is strength under control of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you know, meekness means power under control here, strength under control. I can be loving. I can do the right thing. I, I read this illustration. That was kind of funny. This person wanted to be gentle. They wanted to be a good employer, but they had an employer that was a slacker. Anybody know what a slacker is? They need to be terminated. They needed to be fired. So here's the story. Firing an employee is one of the toughest jobs as a supervisor you can ever face. And maybe somebody here has had to do that. So this insurance sales manager was known for, or you know, he was really known because he had great tact and diplomacy and people liked how he acted and how he treated people. So one of his uh, salespeople was performing so poorly that he knew it would be best for this person to be terminated from the company. So he thought, man, I've got to pray about this. What have I got to do? So he called him in and he said, son, I don't know how we're ever going to get along without you. But starting Monday, we're going to try to do it. And told him bye. You're like, wow, that, that wasn't a very gentle story to tell in church. Uh, my favorite story about gentleness is uh, a guy named uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. I was in a conference one day, and Dave Ramsey tells this story about being gentle and Christ-like, but being responsible. And he said they had an employee that would uh, not do their job. And if you work for Dave Ramsey, it's a privilege in Nashville. It has hundreds. Matter of fact, our own uh, uh, Carol and Mark, their, their son, their son-in-law, he, he worked there for a long time before they became missionaries. And, and uh, so this story goes that the, there was this guy that just, he always came to work late. He wasn't doing his job. And the supervisor talked to him and he, he made a mistake. He walked into Dave Ramsey's office and says, I don't know what to do with this disgruntled employee. He won't get here on time. And Dave says, let me talk to him. Oh, crud, he messed up. So Dave called him in. He said, hey, sir, I, I know you work here. And have, have you liked working here? Oh, yeah, Dave, I like it here. He says, but I understand you have a hard time showing up on time. Oh, yes, sir. He said, I tell you what, I want to help you with that. He says, I want you, when you leave work today, I want you to get a cardboard box, and I want you to put it in your trunk. And he says, and the next time that you show up late for work, I want you to get the box out of the trunk, and I want you to walk into your office, and I want you to empty it, and I want you to wave bye to everybody as you're walking through the parking lot. Do you understand? He goes, yes, sir. It wasn't two days later. Dave said he looked at his window, and here's this guy running through the parking lot with his box. <laughs> and he knew he meant business. Why don't I tell you that story? We need to be gentle. We need to be loving. We need to be firm. But we need to work as unto the Lord. Amen? And just saying, well, I want you to be gentle and let me get away with it. That's not the love of Christ. Anyway, that's a Labor Day message. Okay, be tactful, not just truthful. A couple questions I wrote down. Is it going to build up or tear down? Will it develop or destroy the person? Will it protect them or will it punish them? But I want to honor Christ. In Proverbs, the 15th chapter, the fourth verse, it says this. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. But you want to be kind. You want to be gentle. You want to be like the Savior. You want to follow him. Gentleness is God's love and humility and strength under control that I keep talking about. And then I read all these verses. I could give you verse after verse where Paul says, I long for this. 
I want your gentleness to be evident to all that see you, that they see the work of Christ. They, they see the harmony in your heart for me. They see how much you love me and how you care for me. In 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the 21st verse, what do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love or with a gentle spirit? Well, I want you to come with a gentle spirit. So Christ followers should have a gentle spirit in the way they treat people in their home, in the community, in the church. And I would even say the way we treat our enemies. We're gentle, but we're fair. We're strong. We're under the control of Christ. The gentleness of, of Christ is somehow triumphant over our life because it's Christ in us. Colossians 3.12, Paul urges us as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I pray this prayer every day. Lord Jesus, would you clothe me in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness for the journey? In a lot of days, it's interesting that this prayer comes to me right before I walk in the doors of that office outside there. I'll just say, Lord, clothe me in compassion and gentleness today. For people need to see a gentle shepherd. They don't need to see a fleshly, angry shepherd. And some of you would be a great prayer just to add, like, man, I need, I need that prayer in my life. I need to be gentle because people, if they graded me, they'd go, you're not gentle. You're, you're tough. You're rude. You're harsh. You're... I don't know. I don't know what your problem is. Maybe you didn't get Cheerios this morning, but man, I'll go buy you some if you want some. Just be nice. And somebody's like, you're getting too personal. William Barclay, the great commentator of years ago, he talks about a surgeon who goes directly to the disease spot, and yet without causing any unnecessary pain, he, he goes to that spot and he removes it. So it might be that this morning Christ wants to do surgery. The Holy Spirit wants to put his finger on something in your life and mine. And says, I want to touch that and I want to replace it with gentleness. I've learned that about the Savior over my walk with Christ. When Christ takes something, he replaces it with something better. Does anybody agree with me on that today? When Christ takes something from you, he gives you something better. And godly. And good. And holy. And I don't know what it is that you need. You're saying, well, in your, in your mind right now, I know what I need. My wife, my husband told me yesterday what I need. And my kids told me what I need. My employer, my friend, they tell me what I need. And you're like, well, no, everybody just, everybody, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be scary that everybody was scared of you and nobody really told you what you needed? Don't be scared of each other, but be gentle, be honest. Ephesians 4, 2, the team's going to come, and I want you to hear this first. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Lord, I want to be completely humble because it honors you. And, Lord, it's hard. And, matter of fact, I found it impossible. James says we have humble gentleness. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, but we are to give a reason for the hope that we have. And when we give a reason, we do it with gentleness and respect. See, as, as a follower of Jesus, I am to treat others gently and respectfully and honorably, not meanly. So this morning when... When, I, when you've caught your pastor a little erupted about the situation in our world and what's happening, I want to make sure I can do that with respect and honor because that will honor God. But I don't want to be a pushover that falls and believes nothing, for I have deep convictions in my heart, and I pray you do too. Amen? 
And you need to live by those convictions. I think we're going to be tested. I remember my wife said this a few years ago. She says, in all the turmoil that's happening in our nation, I think Christ followers are going to become more distinctive over the next decade than ever before, that we're really going to see what people believe by the way they live their life and the convictions that shape them. I'm not asking you to sign up for a, a list of legalism. I, I detest legalism. But I don't want you to be some pontificating, crazy, liberal-eyed, goofy, no conviction, not stand for anything. Does that make sense, church? I want you to stand firm. We read that verse, the verses today. So gentleness is God's way. The Bible says that Moses excelled in meekness and gentleness. And he was a wise leader. He cared about God's honor more than he did the honor of others. So this morning, I think we're called to protect the honor of our Father and to follow his ways. So Lord, we want to walk after you. In 2 Timothy 2.25, the last verse I'll give you today, I've given you a lot of verses. He's given them instruction, instruction to be gentle. And he says, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition... If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. See, biblical salvation always starts with repentance. So I need to be gentle, and Christ is gentle with me. I remember when Christ knocked on the door of my heart. He was a very gentle Savior. And he brought repentance in my heart, and I repented of my sin, and I chose to make him the Lord of my life and follow him, and I began a journey of faith. So many of you have done that. And there might be one today that's never done that. So my invitation to you is, would you follow this gentle shepherd that loves you more than you'll ever know? And he loves you more than the person sitting next to you. If, if you're in, so in love today and you've been holding their hand the whole service, he loves you more than them. He loves you more than your granddaddy and your grandmother. And I know that seems impossible. He loves you that he died for you. Would you respond to his voice today? Let's pray. Jesus, it is so good to, to be in this house that gentleness denotes a life surrendered. So today, Lord Jesus, I just pray one thing. Would we surrender to the voice of the shepherd and say, I will follow you, Jesus. Wherever you lead, I will go. Come and invade my life and cleanse me by your blood. Save me today, change me today, and I want to follow you. Show me what that means every day to follow Christ. God, thank you for your living, breathing word. Shape us by the word of God today. This word is for your people. You're a great God. In the name of Jesus, amen.